Everyone appreciates the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Even Governor Justice. Howard, you're a good man, and I appreciate all you do every day. Thank you, sir. Weekdays, 7 to 10 a.m. on the Watchdog. We come on this loop, John B. My grandfather and me. quarter after the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Tuesday mornings around this time is always the time for us to update the political world and the international scene. And to do that, our national correspondent Tom Squidieri is with us here. Uh, and uh, Tom, good to have you uh, back on the show again this morning. Uh, you, you've picked up a couple of new radio stations you're working at, right? Not yet, but I'm open to it, Howard. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought I, I, I thought I saw that you were on some new place. Oh, oh, oh no. Or maybe you know, it's... You know what happened was what happened was the Tennessee station uh, switched. That's what it is. So uh, new host, new he he went from one station to the other because the other station ended its formatting with 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 me and others. So um, oh, that's okay. what it was. So, okay. Yeah, but thanks for the congratulations. Yeah, I it threw me off for much. It's essentially the same the same market, just a different uh, host because the other host retired and they changed the format then. Yeah, that was my friend Steve Bauer. Steve retired yeah, right. after Steve forty Bauer, some years right. in the business. Yeah. Yeah, Steve and I were in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, he and I were in Saudi Arabia together. He came and visited with me here for a week. Uh, um, He was a great guy. Uh, I really enjoyed him, and uh, he was smarter than I am because he he knew when to retire. I don't know when to retire yet. I I think he'll be back doing some podcasts and stuff like that. You know, he he got the itch like you and I both do. So uh, I'm hoping we work together with him soon. Hey, I wanted to jump in on before we get to the stuff. You know, you mentioned the thing about the UFO report and the Pentagon and. And yeah. just, I know you have a guest coming later, week, but just two things from the Pentagon on that. One is, you know, sure. we've learned how to parse their language pretty carefully. And, you know, <laughs> you noted how there's X number of them have been identified, but they don't tell us exactly who, what was identified by whoever. In other words, the bulk of these reports are now coming in from Air Force and Navy air, 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 uh, pilots, you know. So they're right. getting in. So right. they're knowing who's, ident- who's seeing these things. But they're not always telling us exactly what they're seeing, even if they can be identified. And I want to keep that in mind, your mind, when you talk to your expert later in the week, because there could be things from out of this world that they know what they are, but they still might not be from this planet, if you get my drift. So the word identified is accurate, but until we know what they're identifying, that's more of it. Second, you know, you think about before it was kooks and nuts in the 60s and 50s saying it, and that's because... In large part, you're right, that's the public declarations of it. That's because the military kept a tight lid on all these unexplained phenomena and sightings and occurrences that were happening to the military uh, even back then. So, you know, these reports are mandated by Congress, and that's why they're coming out every year. Uh, It's not because the Pentagon is suddenly more... Uh, eager to share this information. And that's all. I'll leave that for you. To no, that's, it's, 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 it's good conversation, I think. And I, here's something that I think, and I want to talk to Chris Impey, Professor Impey, about this later this week. We, we tend to think of UFOs, UAPs, and, you know, immediately our mind goes to the, you know, little green men flying, flying saucers. And is that possible? Could be. Maybe. Yeah, possibly. Uh, but it, it, it isn't really relevant whether they're from outer space or not. There are some things in the sky that probably should be raising national security questions. Yeah. Regardless of whether yeah. 
flying saucers or aliens. They may be from a foreign government. They may be, you know, high tech that we haven't understood yet. Um, but I think that's a, that's an approach I want to take. We we tend to put this in the I don't know what what word I want to use. You know, the the the, the joking category or the the pop culture category of conversation. When in point of fact, I think there's some national security issues there. So we're gonna we're gonna uh, talk yeah. talk more about well, that Howard, uh, coming up yeah, later this more, week. Your, your point your point is exactly right because look at it this way: if uh, if it's indeed something from outer space, whoever possesses the technology to go from wherever they're coming from to here has technology is far superior to anything that we know we have on Earth. So that puts it in a whole different security question. But if it's someone, something here on Earth, another nation who's doing something, that could pose more of a security threat than, say, something around space who may actually, they do may come in peace, you know, as opposed to, as they said yeah. in the Twilight Zone, to serve man. <laughs> <laughs> to serve man. We just talked about that earlier this week. That was my favorite episodes. Yeah. No, yeah. no, it's a cookbook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I, no, I, I think that, you know, I, I've, I've been trying to turn this UFO conversation to a little more serious uh, bent these days. Uh, it, it, you know, the the image, UFOs, little green men, they're coming down, they're looking at us, they're watching us, they're observing us. Okay, if they're not little green men from space, but rather they're new technology from Russia, Korea, Saudi Arabia, whoever, there might be, it's more likely there's evil intent there or intent that is not necessarily good for us. So the fact that we don't, can't identify half of these new reports, uh, is, is, I think, I think pretty serious. And so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, it you know, was Howard, fun, my I favorite, think, my, my favorite, uh, my favorite joke about UFO uh, people from outer space is, uh, they are an intelligent <clears> form of life. And when they fly by earth, they lock the doors. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably true. 821 here on the Watchdog. I want to show Tom Scateri, our national correspondent here uh, with us this morning. Quick couple of political stories on the national, national uh -huh. on the national front, and then we'll go to the international world for a minute or two. Um, Republicans are starting to feel their oats, and they're, they're really gearing up their oversight committees. What intrigues me is that it looks like there's going to be over, uh, an investigation into Biden's classified documents. Now, I don't disagree. There needs to be follow-up on that. I'm not sure Merrick Garland really needed a special counsel, but I do believe certainly this needs to be investigated. What I found fascinating was the chairman of the committee was very clear when asked, well, you're investigating classified documents found in Biden's house, then will you probably not take a committee investigating look at Trump's? No, we're not going to look at Trump. We, you know, everybody's looked at Trump enough. We, we're going to leave him alone. I mean, politics, to me at least, at its absolute clearest and most defined nope we're going to go after democrats we're not going to worry about republicans oh yeah i, I mean it's, it's no ambiguity ambiguity on that you can, that's what they're going to do they said they were going to go after hunter biden and others when they took power and this is their opportunity that was handed to them unexpectedly and they're feasting upon it uh, there are a lot of differences obviously between the two cases but um I think Garland, as you said, he pointed special counsel just to eliminate this kind of political finger pointing, saying, "Hey, you pointed one for Trump and not the current president." Um, okay, fair enough. You know, that's probably in the large picture, it's probably a smart move to do, and that way you've eliminated, in theory, that potential area for challenging any results that are found. But now, you know, people are complaining. Well, the guy you appointed to go after look at Biden is not as aggressive as the guy you appointed to look after Trump. Yeah. You know, so you're not going to win. You're not going to win the quote-unquote win this thing. Look, you know, uh, these things with classified documents, it's very interesting to me. 
uh, you know, the Biden administration was the one, at least in the first round of these things that they found, they were the ones that told the archive that they had these. The archive didn't know they had them and thus didn't ask right. for them. Mike, you're supposed to turn us back, as opposed to what happened with former President Trump. So that's a difference. It's not, it's not a nuanced difference. It's a difference of finding them uh, and reporting we found these. Now, that uh, has a lot of questions about, you know, sloppy record keeping by then-Vice President Biden's staff, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's a lot of things you need to look at in the handling of documents, and I think that's a fair, that in normal times, whenever that used to be, that would have been a fair thing. And, you know, even Democrats would have probably even looked at that uh, if, if they were in power in normal times. You know, those are the kind of things that oversight committees are supposed to do. Uh, so, we, you know, the Republicans vowed, promised, you know, threat, said they were going to look at Biden and his, his whole world, and that's what they're doing. So this is, you know, this is a gift to them to get started with. You know, I guess I'm too, I don't know what the word to use, I, might, might, I think too common sense-like, which doesn't work in this day and age politically. <laughs> uh, if I am on the Republican, one of these Republican committees, the Oversight Committee in particular, what's the guy's name, Comer, or Conner, that's the chairman, I think? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've decided to go after Biden for this classified documents, and okay, I, it's political, but okay, they need to be looked into, um, so you're going to have an investigation. I would at least pretend to look at Trump too. I would pretend to have a, you know, some semblance of equality here. Uh, maybe we wouldn't actually practically go after Trump as hard for political reasons, but I would at least want to make it look. I mean, this guy just basically said, "No, we're not going to look at Trump. We don't care." Even though the yeah. arguments are much the same, and in point of fact, as you mentioned, uh, Tom, the uh, Trump's classified. Transgressions are much more serious than Biden's, if, up, at least up to the moment, as far as we know. If for no other reason than Biden is being um, cooperative, and Trump and his team have been obstreperous. So, uh, but you know, to me, I would just say, all right, let's let's pretend, let's just pretend to be to be fair about this. We don't have to be fair. Let's just pretend to be fair, and then we, with the you know, liberals won't yell at us. I don't know. They're not even pretending to be fair, and they're just. They're, but you know, again, to the point is, they said they were going to do this, and they're doing it, and so people should not be surprised that that they're keeping their word. You know, in that sense, and uh, there, there's so many differences between these, and you know, you and I can talk about it at some point once once this continues to unfold, and I'm sure it will. Um, you know, but but it, it gave it gave the Republicans a great leap into the new their new power in the house uh, by by this you know compare this to going after hunter biden's laptop which uh, you know is, is somewhat old news to people who but whereas the other thing is is brand new well and also hunter biden's laptop which first of all is a is a contrived story in my opinion and i've looked into it a little bit uh but um it's a convoluted story you have to really pay it you know uh, I mean, yeah the general public doesn't really even know what they're talking about simply it's just a catchphrase for you know we're irritated at the biden's hunter biden's laptop most people don't know what that is the classified stuff because we've had a good run in it with the trump the general public has a better understanding of so uh it's yeah. it's a much cleaner way for them to investigate well that will continue we'll talk about it no doubt uh, week after week for for a while i want to go across the sea i want to go into the international international world for a while um I say this every time you and I talk, uh, Tom. I, I keep trying to figure out what's happening with this Ukrainian-Russian war. Uh -huh. 
I think I guess the only conclusion I'm drawing is it's going on and it's getting more and more serious. I I, I don't know who's winning uh, every day. I feel like one side or another's made some big strides, but I do feel that it's becoming more and more serious. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right on point, Howard. Um, there's a, no one's really winning or losing. I, I mean, I guess you, I would say the Ukrainians are winning because they haven't lost. I mean, that's sort of a default victory. You know, they stopped Putin from taking over right. three or four weeks like he wanted to. That's clearly a big win, and I'm not trying to minimize that. And they continue to uh, they continue to operate uh, efficiently their military as, as much as possible. And now we're seeing this is one of these moments where I'm seeing some important moments inflection points as the cliche goes um this week right. this week uh thursday and friday the ukraine contact group is meeting in germany that's the group of nations basically led by the united states that provide arms or coordinated arms deliveries and supplies to ukraine and i think we're going to see uh heavy armor going there after this the british have said they're going to send some tanks and i think the germans are going to loosen up their re-export provision to other nations that prohibits say poland from sending Ukraine tanks it purchased from Germany, okay? I, I hope I made that clear. In other words, Germany sells Poland tanks on a condition that they then can't re-gift them, essentially, to somebody else, okay? So that might be loosened up, which would permit uh, the you, the Poles and some others to send these Leopard tanks, which the Ukrainians know how to use, to Ukraine relatively soon. And then what would probably happen is the United States would backfill Poland with Abrams tanks or something else. But... This is a big meeting uh, because heavy armor will help Ukrainians. Why? Right now, right now, the ground is frozen, basically, in the battlefields of eastern Ukraine, which means the tanks, you know, there's track vehicles and trucks can operate without in the mud. So that means that one side or the other... They down, yeah. Yeah, it could start an offensive. And it's not just the tanks, which are track vehicles. They can operate. It's the supply, the trucks that supply the fuel to the tanks that can't operate because they're tires, like you know, like we drive. So, while it's frozen, that could be one thing. There's talk that the Russians are sort of holding their powder, no pun intended, you know, for an offensive later in the spring, and they're but they're trying these small offensive thrusts to uh, uh, to keep the Ukrainians off balance, so the Ukrainians won't attack. And that seems to be where we are right now. The Russians are making a big deal out of capturing a small town. Uh, in eastern um, Ukraine, they say they have. The Ukrainians said they haven't. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't really matter. To be honest with you, at this point, it's a small town, bloody on both sides. But that's the kind of holding World War One style warfare we're seeing now. Um, I think everyone's kind of waiting to see, you know, what the wet, how long the weather will stay cold and frozen, as well as for a spring offensive by either side. And I think there's going to be some try to be some trickery on either side to try to, you know, keep people draw forces away, Howard. Here's the best radio story from Ukraine over the last couple of days. It happened over the weekend. It's still fresh enough for me to talk with. Uh, Ukraine has gotten a lot of weapons from the West, but perhaps its best weapon is ingrown, the European beaver. And because what happens... Excuse me? The, European, the beaver, the animal, the beaver, as in beaver builds a dam in a marsh. Because the beavers have been hunted okay. in Ukraine where they had survived. This year they weren't hunted. So they built their dams in the marshes north of Kiev, between Kiev and Belarus. Stay with me, Howard. And so because of that, the marshes have become too swampy for a Russian invasion from the north again. It's amazing. And, and Ukrainians are loving it. You know, the beavers have made that whole area literally impassable for heavy track vehicles like we just talked about. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a crazy story, but it's true. <laughs>
<laughs> you never thought that beavers were. I never saw that one coming. No, you know, the beavers are on our side. You know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it is. It although I guess it is an ab object lesson that um, in war, strange things can turn the tide or at least shift the uh, shift the winds a bit. You know. Yeah. 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 Really. So your your confusion as to sort of where things are is is not not off base. You're not really that confused. You you saw it as it is. It's not really a lot of movement. Uh, the Russians continue these devastating air attacks on civilian infrastructure in Ukraine. Forty people at least were killed in an attack over the weekend, uh, the highest number in one attack, you know, one, one outright attack. So I don't mean to minimize the fact that there's nothing going on. That's, their, that's the Russian strategy now, trying to demoralize Ukrainians. Uh, it hasn't worked. And you know, the other strategy the Russians tried to do was to freeze out Europe by cutting off you know, gas supplies and fuel supplies to try to get them to weaken their resolve. Well, Europe's had a warmer winter than normal, so there you go, Mother Nature again playing a role in this. Um, it's it's odd how these factors fall into place. It, it does seem to me, though, and you say you, you, the, the, the Ukrainians have kept their morale up. I've seen several stories where it seems like uh, the the people on the ground, at least, just the average citizens of Ukraine, are beginning to to too weary of this you know in the beginning of the war there were attacks on their villages and things began to crumble but as the war goes on their 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 infrastructure and their buildings and their cities are becoming in worse and worse repair i mean from mm -hmm. bomb attacks and so on and and that has to be pretty demoralizing it is demoralizing it is tough and i'm not and i don't <clears throat> want to give the impression that everybody you know had the stiff upper lip type of thing and not lamenting and not sad. There's people who are dying from these attacks, as I just point out, civilians. There are soldiers, you know, being killed on both sides who have parents and relatives and friends back in Russia, as well as Ukraine. You know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to paint, you know, all the Russians as bad guys and all the Ukrainians as good guys. This is war, and there's a lot of innocent people on all sides who were right. affected by the decisions of a few. And Ukrainians have held tough. And President Zelensky has been a great moral. Uh, you know, booster with his speeches and visits to the front line, and he's doing what a leader needs to do. Um, that's helped a lot, but you know, eventually this gets. You know, again, you know, I was in Sarajevo on and off for four years during the Bosnian conflict, and those folks in Sarajevo were under siege for four years, couldn't leave and out, and it was it wasn't as bad necessarily. They weren't getting shelled every day to the extent as what's happening in Ukraine. They were getting shelled and sniped at. You know, it's tough, and you can see after one year, two years, three years, how the faces of the people just change, you know, and, and how long it takes to recover from that. Um, and we're just talking about the first year of a war that really doesn't have any immediate end in sight. Yeah, I think that's maybe the, the, the that maybe is the bottom line. There is no immediate end in sight. Although, as you said in the beginning, in a sense, that means the Ukraines are winning because Russia thought it was going to be an in and out, one and done, you know, give me a week and we'll yeah. take your country. So. Uh, it, it is still going on. Tom, appreciate your time this morning, as always. I follow you on Twitter all the time. I've kind of gotten irritated with Twitter. I'm not, I, I would, I would drop off of Twitter completely if it wasn't for some of my journalist sources who still use it yourself and several of my other, uh, contacts that I use for information because Twitter's become a, since Musk took over, a bit of a mess. However, yeah, what I enjoy about your Twitter more. and I encourage, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I, what I encourage, what I like about your Twitter, and I encourage people to follow you, is that 
you do a lot of trying to calm us all down. You know, you do a lot of sunsets and some poems every once in a while and some odds and ends yeah, during the day that's like, yeah, that's a break from the that's a break from the big politics, you know? I'm I'm blessed with having a deck that overlooks beautiful sunrise and beautiful sunset. And I started doing this maybe a couple of years ago just for my own sort of comparisons of oh, it looks like this and I started posting them and friends of and people like yourself, friends like you have really responded well to them. And, and my theory about social media is, yeah, I use Twitter, as you do, to get sources. You know, I call it the British Ministry of Defense, the Russian Ministry of Defense, et cetera. I also use social media as sort of my newspaper to give different stories, different photos, to give, remind people that there are a lot of nice things in the world. Yeah, and, and that's sometimes that's a, a nice midday reminder for me. Tom, I appreciate <laughs> uh, your conversation, as always. We'll do it again next week. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks, Alan. Bye-bye. Tom Scateri, check out his Twitter if you're on Twitter. Again, I've kind of abandoned Twitter for almost everything. I just, just since Musk took over, it's just a bunch of angry, miserable people. <laughs> but, but I, there are a lot of my news sources: Stephen Adams and Mark Curtis and, and uh, Brad McLenny and Hoppy and and uh, the TV Seven people. You know, they're still on there reporting some news and Tom Scateri and so on. So I, I stay on Twitter, but I don't put much up there at all anymore. Uh, it's, it's, you know, maybe it will come back to what it used to be, which is a good, good place to get information and to share ideas. But right now, uh, but I do, Tom's always posting good stuff during the day. Check him out. Tom Scateri, uh, on Twitter. He posts a lot of fun things and some important information too. Okay. It's 836, 24 till the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Let's see. Coming up in, uh, this half hour, we'll have slider on sports. Got some text coming in about the gasoline prices that we've been talking about earlier. And I got a question of a story that uh, I, I saw. It's not local. It's out of Ohio. But it's about a guy who was arrested for the 70th time. How do you get arrested 70 times? Doesn't somewhere before 70, don't you get locked away? We'll talk about that and more. Plus, slider on sports in the Morning Mountaineer Report. So don't go away. we got a busy half hour straight ahead here on the Watchdog Morning Show.